Welcome to Whatever Works, our unique fortnightly podcast in which we talk about whatever works in our lives and in the lives of our community members. Find us at whateverworks.works. And why not join our community? Simply search for Whatever Works at mewe.com and get stuck in. So are we going to have a running start this week or are we actually going to start properly like a normal podcast? A running podcast start? We are the experts in running <laughs> podcast starts, aren't we, Aidan? Hello there, how are you doing? I'm very well, Ted, thank you. Can't complain, can't complain. We, we've I'm got out of, a I'm special out of, I'm out of guest today. No, no, sorry, I was trying to do a comedic spring. Forget it. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not used to these running starts. I was going to be all out of breath and you say to me, oh, that's Steve, he's, he's running, he's on the running start. But no, it didn't work. <laughs> I like that, but Steve. That's fine. Yes, we yeah. like that. You really like that? And it that? worked anyway. Because we, are like, we like to <laughs> laugh at these things. The, the voice you heard there, of course, dear listener, is, of course, Steve Litchfield. Hello, Steve. He's come in to join us for this show, so thank you for that. Yeah, sorry for messing up your running start. I'm sure they'll be suitably faded in by Aidan later on. <laughs> it's an a- absolutely fine. We're, this is whatever works, of course, is what you're listening to. Aidan and I are back here as usual. We hope to bring you lots of fun and merriment and, and jolly stuff for the next hour or so. So do hang around. It's show 155 and it's now the beginning of February, can you believe? Wow. Soon be blazing hot again. Let's not start that one. Um, Whateverworks.works is our website. You'll find links to all the stuff we're going to talk about today there and don't forget the MeWe group and we've also started a Facebook group this is a bit of an experiment on my part I've no idea how to do Facebook I've no idea how to do Facebook groups but I stuck it up there anyway and so if anyone's got any advice about running groups in Facebook then do um, do let me know um, the, the idea was just just to spread the word about whatever works a bit, really. And Facebook seems to be the, the place with the biggest audience. But we'll see how that goes. Absolutely. Ted Salmon. But, well, well done for doing it, Ted. Hats Thank off to you, you sir. It's, it's certainly a learning... It's going to be a learning curve. TedSalmon.com is for me, AidenBell.com for, uh, for Aiden, and SteveLitchfield.com for Steve. Steve, any advice on Facebook groups? Yeah, avoid. Run like the plague. <laughs> 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 no, no, we had a, I put in a phone show um, Facebook group back in the year dot and it never got any traction and I lost interest and closed it down and no one complained. So I don't want to be too dead down. Oh, by, all means have advice, a play. Yes. by all means have a play, Ted, but don't expect the earth. 99% okay. of people who are in our sphere and tech people and geeks and how-to people and people who do engineering and all the stuff we like on whatever work, I don't think they've been said in dead on on Facebook other than to say hello to their mum and dad and children. Okay. All right, that, that's fair enough. And I'll see how it goes. We won't um, hold our breath on it. Maybe Twitter is the place to go. The trouble is with Twitter is that I've neglected my personal account and um, we I don't have any following. But anyway, that, that hey, might be if, another if, option. If Facebook brings forth one new loyal listener, it will have been <laughs> worth the effort. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so in the meantime, yes, the MeWe group is where most of us hang out, so do join us there. Links in the show notes there. If you get lost at any point, then do head to tedsalmon.com where you'll find links to all that stuff and everything else we do. Let's press on, shall we, Aidan? Indeed. Yes, you said MeWe is the group and MeWe is the place to be. But I actually got a very nice, very kind message through my own website, AidanBell.com, this week. And I'm sure John from New Zealand will not object to my reading out his lovely message, which said, I just wanted to say thank you for your entertaining podcast, Whatever Works, or doesn't, exclamation mark. I have very much enjoyed listening over the years to both yourself and Ted, and not to forget the various guests guests and stand-ins too. Steve Litchfield, thank you, sir. (laughs) Wishing you and Ted well, and here's to many more years. John, fan from New Zealand. Very gratefully received, John. Thank you very much for that. A surprise coming into my inbox there. And back on the MeWe groups, Judy Lopez says, I love, in big, fat, bold letters, (laughs) your show. Thank you, Judy. Feedback is great to get, and it's lovely to know that we're doing something that people appreciate. So keep it coming, please. It's very encouraging. Ian Watson is next on feedback from Whatever Works 154, the last show. Um, I was the one that bought the portable laundry hooks, he says. Ah, um, it was him! Which we featured in <laughs> I Wonder Who Bought It, of course. Yes. Um, we have a small cupboard to dry laundry with a clothes rail on each side. 
These hooks allow towels and bedding to be hung so it's spread out. There's a dehumidifier in the cupboard to get it all dry quicker. So thank you for owning up, Ian. That's, um, that's very useful to know, and I'm glad that those things are useful. Um, and uh, we'll come to, I wonder who bought it a bit later again. Okay, Steve. This, this must be me, because it's in my colour in the show notes. This is the Anchor 6-foot premium nylon iPhone charger cable, a typical Amazon link there, and the K title, and indeed the link in the show notes. Now, this is kind of from me, because my family are forever losing or breaking their iPhone and iPad charging cables. Now, Apple want 30 quid for the same thing and arguably more cheaply made. That's just simple white plastic. And they often, the connectors often do break as numerous Google image searches will prove. So I swear by these anchor alternatives. They work perfectly, are under a third of Apple's prices. And now I keep a stock of them in my room. When a family member comes looking, there's always one available. And the two metre length means that the charging block can be on the floor out of harm's way and the mm. item in use while charging can be up on their lap on the bed, for example, with no awkward tight cable straining using them as they charge. Of course, as the days go on, I find the cables they've lost and secretly <laughs> add them back into my magically replenished stock box. Now, yes. Occasionally they'll break a cable and they've strained it too far or trodden on the connector or whatever. But at least we're only talking eight quid here, not 30 quid. But in short, do not pay Apple's prices for simple USB to lightning cables. Here, here. Fantastic advice. Absolutely. And in fact, I've got one. You sent me one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, while Ted goes off to rummage, yes, I too, Steve, am a big fan of, of these new braided cables. They really are tough as boots. Um, and you're right. In, in a case, I mean, we often say on the show, well, you get what you pay for. But I don't think you do in this case. I think you're quite right, Steve. Why pay Apple's extortionate paying for the name prices when you can get something equally good or better for eight quid? Here, here. Yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like the red one. I, in fact, the one that you sent me, Steve, back in the day, I can't remember how long ago, but it was it was a red one, and it's it's still here somewhere, which gets occasional use. But that six-foot length is really, really handy. I do yeah. agree. Yeah, yeah. I've Absolutely. got I've got in my travelling bag a five meter braided cable, which is for my you know my staying in <laughs> hotel rooms where the idiots have put the plug at the other end of the room from the bed. Wow. Uh, instances and sometimes I've needed practically the full five meters and again the, the, the braided cables are fantastic and, and, and survive all sorts of knocks and bashes thank you Steve very good yes indeed okay next up is my feedback on my TP-Link Archer MR200 which was suggested by Keith Bartlett as a way of getting around my stupid cellular MiFi ah. um, problem in, in my living situation um, just a quick one because it is a bit techy. This is a um, 4G router which costs 83 quid, um, so it's not the cheapest out there. But um, just to report back, really, that my old MiFi units they used to get me about 20 uh, down and 20 up on a good day, but this new router gets me 35 down and 25 up, Ooh. even on an, an average day. I have I, I saw it one day whip right up to 60 something, and but it did come down again. But it just goes to show that if you've got a, a more decent bit of hardware that with a with a greater range and a kind of beefier um, output presumably it, it does make a big difference and it has made a big difference to me here so I'm really pleased about that thank you so much Keith Bartlett indeed thank you Keith I've got one here that um, I must confess I haven't had a chance to dig into it deeply yet but it looks very interesting I was driving home from somewhere the other day and I heard a thing on the radio talking about the big repair project uh, oh, which yeah. is um concerning repair or non-repair of the items we have at home. Everything from toasters to washing machines to scanners, computers, whatever it might be. And whether we repair or whether we repair ourselves or we have a professional do it for us or whether we prefer to throw something away and get a new one. And it's a basic study of this. The website uh, tells us it's a UCL plastic waste innovation hub and they would like your help to better understand the factors affecting household maintenance and repair carried out yourself or using professional services of home, repair, home appliances and electronics across the UK. Your participation will help develop right to repair policy and support the UK towards meeting important environmental targets. So it looks like a very good thing to do, helpful for the environment and great fun for people who like to fill in questionnaires and answer these interesting questions about whether or not we repair and if we do, how and why. So um, as I say, I haven't done it myself yet, but certainly something I think we, lots of people here might be interested to have a look at. A word of warning. Yes, sir. 
it goes on and on <laughs> and on. And I, it did warn you that this would take 10 minutes, but it took longer than that. And the, and the questions are so repetitive. And I have to admit that I'm full of good intentions. I did give up halfway through because it was just it was just so badly done. Oh, Room 101 for the person who designed it. <laughs> oh, that's but, a shame. But, but gold star for the principal. And I don't know, did you ever go at that, Steve? No, 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 this is all new to me, but uh, you've just put me off answering it all, so I'm going to give it a miss. <laughs> hey, listen, when you get to the end of a day and you just want to sit down with a cup of tea and just do something a little bit frivolous, then that's that, that's the time to sit and do it, and it doesn't matter if it takes 20 minutes, not 10. Huh. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> now, okay, there you go. Who likes torches? Oh, Steve, Yay! I've been looking forward we to all this do. one. Yes, please. And who likes <laughs> AA batteries? Oh, yeah, we all do. <laughs> I'm just building this up. This is the, from me, this is the, I guess it's pronounced Rechu, the Rechu LED IP67 torch. Now, we wanted a super bright torch that was rugged and reliable. My thought was go for rechargeable from a power bank, but AA's as here is also a way to go, and one which Ted will love, as I just mentioned. Yeah. It's what I'd call medium-sized rather than outright pocketable, but it's nearly all metal, very heavy-duty, fully waterproof, there's a focusing ring letting you go from floodlight, i.e. an area, through to spotlight, which I've included a photo in the show notes for you guys. The wall I'm lighting up is 60 metres away. Any comments, Aidan? I, I, it, it's fantastic. The, the comment is, you're good at this, Steve. You bring torches to the show that I just have to buy. I remember you brought that wonderful <laughs> headlamp um, yeah. that, I, that I still use on a regular basis. This is incredible. That's such a tight beam from such a distance. Yeah, it's a fabulous torch, and I'm sure the IP67 aspect will come in handy one day in rain or sleet yeah. or snow, heaven forbid. Um, for the money, this is just a superb product. It's, um, how much is it? Oh, it's £13 or so. You'd expect it to be more, really, given that it's all metal. Yeah. Uh, mm. just, 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 just right, right in the Steve, Aidan, Ted sweet spot, I reckon. Very good. Four batteries. So it must be bigger than it looks on the Amazon page. Can you can you see on the Amazon page the the, the person flood flood lighting a road up in the dark? Um, it's the fifth picture along. No, sixth. Oh picture yes, along. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. Is, have you tried doing that? Does that is that realistic or is does that looks vaguely realistic? I think that's probably over enhanced it, but in the the, the marketing person's photo editor, for, okay. for, when you do it to floodlight mode, obviously the light spread out in a much a wider area, but it's not as bright. Obviously, that's physics. Um, but yeah, as you can see from the example in the show notes, how bright it is in spotlight. And yeah, if you yeah. widen it, you can you can have something in between the two. But it's surprisingly bright for four AAs. I'm still on the original AAs after two or three weeks, and I've used it quite a bit. So yeah, highly recommended. And very sexy. I mean, what a lovely looking thing as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I I may be tempted here. Thank you, Steve. That's a big <laughs> on-off button on the end, isn't it? Yeah, if it's not yeah. only on-off, it also lets you change mode. So a confident on-off okay. just literally turns it on. If you half-press it, you get to switch between um, a sort of a, a dimmer mode if you don't want all that lumens all at mm -hmm. one time. Say you're just indoors in, you know, looking for a, something in a shoebox under the bed. You don't want five billion lumens, so you can make it dimmer. <laughs> and then there's a third mode where it obviously blinks and you can have it flashing if you want to attract someone's attention, for example, if you're stuck down a pothole. Here's a question for this... you both. Have either of you ever ever used the flashing part of a torch. I mean, most torches that I've owned in the last <laughs> years have had this flashing function. I don't think I've ever once needed it. No, not me. No, I wasn't um, a, a, a set adrift in the Atlantic at any point. <laughs> this, it, it does well, sound a bit like my Nokia XR20, though. This is the same sort of thing that that does. Yeah, and that's, yeah. that's a bright torch. Good grief. Uh, yeah, sorry, Steve, you were going to say? Yeah, I'm not adventurous enough. I stay in my house far too much to, <laughs> to need rescuing. But if I if I was out on the moors, then yes, this yeah. would be perfect. And you know, I yeah, was yeah. just going to make a silly pun, but actually this probably is why it's called a flashlight, I presume, because of that flashing function. That's why the Americans uh -huh. at least would call it a flashlight. One, ba -boom. I suppose. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, now listen, talking about illumination, I need you two to help me with some illumination on this next one. Let me just read it out first. Royal Mail is adding special barcodes to stamps. Now, I've seen these already on a couple of stamps, making it possible for people to watch videos, messages and other information. Customers can scan the barcodes in the Royal Mail app on their phone and will eventually be able to watch videos, information about services or birthday messages and have other greetings from senders. 
At the moment, a video featuring Sean the Sheep can be viewed. <laughs> wow. It is the first of a series of planned videos to be released that will allow customers sending stamped mail to choose which one the recipient can see when they receive an item of mail. The barcode stamps will have a digital twin and the two will be connected by the Royal Mail app. It should have been Jason <laughs> Pat, surely. Not Sean the Sheep. Now, I mean, I, I've seen these, and I was—I originally heard that this was actually to, to prevent fraud, because I know a lot of people, um, or some people, will you reuse the stamp, and by having this—that's uh, what I thought it was all about, actually. By having this barcode yeah. on the stamps, it was to prove that the stamp had already been used, or also, obviously, to make scanning within the post office easier and quicker and, and slicker. I just, gentlemen, I'm 57. I don't understand why I need a postage stamp to allow me to watch a Sean yeah. the Sheep video. <laughs> it is, just doesn't this, compute. It, well, I, I presume, presumably somewhere down the line, senders will be able to record audio and video, <sighs> upload it to their app, then link it to the stamp to get it personalised. No. Um, but the, then couldn't you the, just send a the, message? The end, <laughs> you, well, you, you could, but you, you've also got the issue that the post office are kind of being drummed out of business yeah. by email and this is presumably their attempt to try and get people to keep sending letters or at least postcards yeah. with these stamps on it and share it. I, I don't know. I, Steve? Well, I'll tell you what's going to happen. This is exactly what's going to happen. You will buy one of these stamps. We'll have a QR code on the side and you think, oh, great. You scan it with the Royal Mail app you've just gone and installed from the Play Store yeah, or wherever. Yeah. You then you record a whole five-minute birthday video to whoever you're sending the card to. You think, but this is, this, they'll absolutely love this. You then put this, you know, take the stamp on the envelope. You send it in the post, snail mail. They get it. They completely fail to register there's a QR code. <laughs> and they put the envelope straight in recycling. Yes, and they completely absolutely. miss your five-minute yes, video. Yes, yes, yes. I wonder, actually, you know, as you said that, Steve, it's probably just a big ploy on the part of the Royal Mail to get everybody to download their ruddy app. Yeah. Yeah, it could yeah. be, but I also think that they are trying to stay in business, um, and not just turn themselves into. I take a that yet point. I take that point, yet, Ted. Yeah. Not not to turn themselves yet into another courier service because that's what they're all becoming. And you know who sends letters anymore? I I can't remember the last. I honestly can't remember the last time I yeah. used a stamp and sent a letter to anyone. My mum and dad do because they're still in the. Their, their brains are still into this kind of birthday card, Christmas yes. card thing. But apart from that, the same is true of them, pretty much. I, they, it just doesn't happen. So the post office, they've got to do something, haven't they? Yeah, I can't. I can't remember the last time I sent a letter either. And in fact, I didn't send any Christmas cards. They, I didn't literally didn't buy any stamps. Didn't send any Christmas cards, and not one single relative complained. Because of course I'm in touch by most of them by email and lists and social. But they all felt they got their their part of me, yeah. and they do through the year. So I, I've been having said that the Royal Mail can print these QR codes. It's negligible extra cost to them. And hey, if they decide to use them and people more people use their app and buy some Royal Mail services, then good luck to them. I just think don't think many people will actually use it. For what you, yeah, you I think it's like a lot of emerging technologies. Further down the line, they will be very useful when they come up with clever and innovative ways of using the QR code. At the moment, all they can come up with is a Sean the Sheep video, and that makes people like Aidan <laughs> Bell uh, go, go yeah. off on one. So, yes, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Postman Pat, please. Yeah, Postman Pat. Heads okay. <laughs> tips, heads top tips, heads top tips. Right, my top tip this time, one of one, no, my one is. Um, I'll start that again. <coughs> <laughs> the first top tip this week is. You think I'm going to edit that out, don't you, Ted? But you'll be proved wrong. <laughs> I just Paul says I just checked my LED Lenser P14 torch. It's a bit of a torch show, and discovered that the batteries had leaked badly. It took half an hour to clean up the mess, despite having the right tools and solvent to do it. AA batteries are convenient, says Paul, but ghastly leaks do happen. So, his top tip is check the batteries in your high-value but seldom-used um, items for leaky batteries. I will keep my P14 empty for now because I prefer a re my rechargeable lithium-powered torches, which are also brighter. Well, you haven't got one of your torches, Steve, obviously. <laughs> but, um, yeah. 
But but yeah, there is an issue here with batteries. I thought that in the old days, I thought that if you bought Duracell branded batteries, they were guaranteed leak-proof. But following the um, thread on this in in MeWe, it seems no, it's not true. No no batteries are leak-proof. Um, I don't know, uh, Steve. In theory, these batteries are very long-lived in terms of capacity and also in terms of not leaking. But I do agree. I mean, I, we don't know how long. Um, Paul had left these, this battery in this torch. Maybe it was 10 years. Um, oh, yeah. I, I wouldn't expect an alkaline battery to leak after a year or two. And I've certainly got multiple things around the house, including dab radios and stuff, portable radios with AA batteries. And I checked them like two or three years later, and they're absolutely fine. So I think he was unlucky, but we, we don't know the time frame. But yes, yeah, a good tip. Anything with AAs, you know, once a year, just pop the back off, check everything's okay. Run the device for, uh, you know, 10 minutes just to give the... A bit of get a bit of current out of the battery so they think they're in use and not being abandoned all that sort of thing is good battery practice yes you've that's a very good tip ted because i've got i mean i've got security cameras outside that have been out there for a couple of years in the outside in the weather uh mm-hmm. and remember those things i brought on the show those um animal deterrents that emit a yeah. very high frequency you know they for instance sit outside at ground level for literally mm-hmm. years. So yes, a good call. I think I might spend some time in the coming days wandering around with the stepladder checking out batteries. Thank you for that. Okay. And Steve, on to some techie stuff. Well, yes, this is perhaps more in phone church at territory, but you asked me on this particular podcast, so I'm going to bring it anyway. <laughs> yep. I've been happy because it applies and it's generic. It applies just just about anyone listening to this because everyone listening to this has got a smartphone. So I've been having tremendous fun with skinning phones. The idea is that instead of a bulky TPU case, you simply add a custom plastic skin to your glass-back phone. You get instant extra grip and new cosmetics. And there's hundreds of textures and permutations, typically. True, there's only minimal drop protection, but the idea is that the extra grip means you won't drop the phone in the first place. Anyway, it's an option, and it's very much safe, um, space-saving because the phone is not as bulky in your hand. The cool thing for UK users, I did note, there's now a UK manufacturer called Extreme Skins. We'll put the link in the show notes. Previously, you have to wait a month for a D brand skin from the USA, literally a month in transit. But now it's next day for me, which changes the game. Plus, they're a lot cheaper, six quid rather than, uh, rather than 20 quid for D brand. Now, the six quid is after their seemingly permanent front page offer for just about any phone ever made. Like you buy one skin, you get the second, the second thrown in. So effectively, everything's half price. And I'm sorry if this sounds like an ad, but I only discovered them this week. And it's my tip. Go slim and think about a skin. Gosh, that that almost sounds like something (laughs) you could see on TV. Very good. I I shy away from anything that is not a TPU plastic case, as you know, Steve, because I just think that I'm so frightened of these expensive phones. And, And even if your phone has got a skin on the back or even on the sides or even on the front or even anywhere... If you drop it onto a something, it's it's going to stand much less chance than it would if it's got a, yeah. even a, a five pound TPU on around it. I I don't know. It's it, but I can see that the the ones you found are very pretty indeed. Yeah, I included a photo examples in the show notes for uh, for Aiden to see as well. One of in Saharan concrete, an iPhone in Saharan concrete, and my trusty Surface Duo Two in black leather, which all mm. both of them look absolutely splendid. And of course, you yep. Yeah, could argue they don't need a case you could argue they do why not put skin on and then have a case when you go out best of both worlds ted yeah 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 i do get that um absolutely or buy a nokia xr20 i'm tempted <laughs> by this because i mean as you both know i've i've been for the last two or three years i've had these planet computers phones which open up like a baby laptop and therefore skinning them is almost entirely impossible but now with the new astro slide about to come out i could skin the back of that so mm-hmm. I'm f- I'm suddenly taking an interest in this. By as the- long as you can find one that is made for it, I suppose. Yes, that might be the issue. The other issue is, while you were speaking, Steve, I decided to quickly Google Extreme Skins, and I found out that they're a Washington football team. So <laughs> that's probably not the website that I should be looking at. There's no E. It's actually extremeskins.co.uk, but with no E at the front, ah, just, just X. That'll be yeah. why I ended I'll, up I'll, in America. I'll put a link in the show notes to that. <laughs> Very good, though. Yeah, nice one, Steve. Thank you. An interesting one here from John Love on getting rescued. Now, this, this, this I find fascinating. John says, if you're ever lost while you're hiking, that happens to all of us, doesn't it, Ted? <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, is that what legs are for? <laughs> if you get stranded with a broken car, for instance, and you notice your mobile phone is either low on battery or has no signal, here is a tip, says John, that may very well save your life. Change the voicemail on your phone, says John. Well, you can, of course, do this if you've still got a tiny bit of signal and battery to send your voice to the network's voicemail service. So if you've got like 1% left, I agree this is a great tip. Use that 1% to change your voicemail message. Do carry on, Aidan. Thank you, Mr. Pedantic. Um, <laughs> change the voicemail, if you can, to a message that gives your approximate location, the time and date of your situation, lost, out of petrol, broken down, whatever, injured, whatever, and any special instructions. For instance, that you're staying with your car or you're walking towards the town or whatever it might be. If your mobile phone does die, there you are, Steve, or stops working, voicemail still works, so anyone calling your phone looking for you will hear the message and know where to find you or where to send help. Do you know what? It's a jolly good tip. It's a jolly good tip. It It just needs that one caveat that you have to have enough to change the voicemail in the first place. But other than that, this is brilliant. So you could be out of power, out of everything, and people would still know where you are and what's happening. Yes, it's like the being buried alive and I've got to phone somebody before my phone battery (laughs) dies scenario, isn't it? Um, The only problem I see with this is you really must be in serious trouble because you're going to end up with 15 people phoning you and everyone's phoning the police and (laughs) multiple (laughs) call-outs. So, you know, I don't think it's something you should do casually, but if you were in genuinely a life-threatening situation, fabulous tip. Thank you, John. It's an interesting question about um, how quickly, for all of us, someone would respond. In my situation, I could probably go for the best part of two days (laughs) silent before anyone bothered to kind of think, I wonder if he's all right. Yes, same here. I I think I get about one phone call every couple of weeks, so it would be something similar for me too. Whereas Steve, the family man, would probably be within an hour. He'd be there. Be on, someone would be on to him. Yes, <laughs> yeah, Daddy. We, Daddy, I want to lift somewhere. Oh, Daddy's <laughs> yeah. unconscious on the floor. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I wonder who bought it. This time it is on the Amazon associate links. Incidentally, that's tinyurl.com forward slash Amazon Ted UK. If you're buying anything on Amazon, head across there. And this time somebody has done that very thing with a headlight lens restoration kit. And this looks like it's a kind of buffer thingy to repair or to spruce up your um, discolored, faded or dull headlights. Now, I haven't got a car, but I have got a little moped, and I wonder if the same thing could happen with this one. It restores them to the the plastic on the front of it, to to their original or near original um, original, um, condition, apparently. So you just get a drill and buffer it up, and Fanny's your aunt, and it restores it to... Steve, you're a bit of a a DIY bloke with your car, aren't you? Well, you used to be when you had a a bit of an older car. Yeah, the idea of um, putting sandpaper on a drill and applying it to my headlamps yeah. and then trusting it'll all turn out all right. I, surely there's got to be some sort of cream I can buy and just to do it by hand. I, I, this all seems a bit, bit beyond me, I'm afraid, but it well, well said, done to the contributor. Yeah, well, they, the, the person said that what you do is you put... Uh, it, the last phase of this is that you put a pea-sized bit of the paste that's supplied with this thing on the polishing pad, which is supplied, you stick it on your drill, and then you buffer it up with that. But yeah, initially, certainly they're saying about sandpaper, so it is a bit scary. Aiden, can't, I sub- can't you just can't you just do step five though, Ted? Step five is the one surely which does most of the work. The, the, the buffering, the, the the paste and the buffering. Yeah, I think yeah, it's, I it's, I think it's I preparation know. followed by, as Steve says, the final stage, which, I mean, it's basically sandpapering a little, a very, very, very micronic thin layer of plastic away, yeah, revealing yeah, clean yeah. plastic underneath, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I did this with you know you know that um white GIF stuff that you that you probably have got under your sink. I yeah, can yeah. remember I can, I can remember doing the, a similar thing on a much l- smaller level with that on plastic. Yes. So because it's got it's slightly um um what's the word abrasive. Abrasive. Yeah. Yeah. You you rub it around and rub it around. I tried this on various things with screens and stuff. Maybe not a mobile phone, but you know like <clears> the the screen on the back of of, of some device and. And then you, you, you do that, do that, do that. And then eventually you leave it for a while and then wipe it off. And sure enough, it's much cleaner. So perhaps that's the, the, the bit with the sandpaper that we shouldn't be worried about, Steve. 
Yeah, there's also um, the, this, this. Is it called Pretty Pink stuff? I think we've got some under the sink that was bought. And again, it's an, like it's like an abrasive paste. The, the, amazing the number of things it can clean. Yes, yeah. And if you haven't got that, apparently toothpaste does a pretty good job as well. Oh right, yeah. it's what they do. They do that with car paint jobs, don't they? I mean, you can restore a car again. You can miraculously make your car paint work look look like new because all they do is they remove a micron thin layer of the t- paint to reveal the cleaner paint underneath. Same principle. But it's not yes. something I would be happy doing myself. I think that's what you were getting at, Steve, isn't it? I think you'd need certainly some experience or practice before you took it out on your own car. It's the one they say, uh, the muscle power of a common household 1600 RPM drill. And I don't want to be getting a drill <laughs> no, anywhere near my no, car. No, actually, you very yes, much. I take the point. <laughs> well, the person that's bought this, um, we would like to hear back yes, from please, you. Yes, please, let us so know that our audience. Know how you got on <laughs> and how easy it was and how you got on with your sandpaper. Uh, importantly here, please, if you're buying on Amazon, please use one of our links. Don't just go and buy it without using a link. We can get some pennies out of this. tinyurl.com forward slash Amazon Ted UK. And Steve, you're tinyurl.com forward slash Amaze Steve, aren't you? Absolutely, that also works. Thank you. Yeah, so we'll, uh, Amazon, go get it, but use one of our links, please. <laughs> Now, DVDs. Now, this is the cheapest chip section, and D- DVDs are now cheap as chips. I know we've mentioned this before on other shows, probably Projector Room and Chewing Gum for the Ears, etc., etc., but with shows and films disappearing from streaming services right, left, and centre, because of licensing issues and them divvying out things amongst five different services, it's just a nightmare. Head for charity shops in your local town, and you'll find that DVDs are often a pound each and sometimes less, four for a pound, that sort of thing. Mm. And they're optical versions of your content with all the extras that you'll own forever, can watch for free, and no one can take them away. And if then, if you're like Ted, you can then rip the DVDs to MP4s Yay. and you have your own local streaming <laughs> archive free of cost or restriction. That's a lot of extra work, but it can be done as well. Yeah, I've got it down to a fine art now, and it doesn't take me long to do those. Um, but yes, you do have to wait for the software to work. I use Handbrake, which we've highlighted on this show oh, before. Oh, just, yes. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do agree with you, Steve. Buying DVDs. I get DVDs from Music Magpie quite often if I can't find one in, in any other way. Um, and yeah, you're right. And, and I very seldom get a duff one. Um, and they work fine, and I can rip them and then yeah. chuck them away, in my case. You want to keep them somewhere, um, but yeah. I, I, I tend to chuck them away. <laughs> no, the whole point is you can watch them when, you're, when your internet goes yeah, down yeah, yeah. Or, when, or when something else goes wrong with the tech. And for a classic example, by the way, of things being taken off air, uh, one of my favourite shows is Blackadder, you know, Rowan Atkinson, um, the, the BBC comedy. And I love just di- di- diving into that in an evening. It helps me relax and chills me nicely and have a good laugh at the same time. And it's, it's forever appearing on BBC iPlayer or Netflix or Amazon Prime for a month. And then it goes away again. And quite often you'll use the Just Watch app to scan all your services. And no, Blackadder's nowhere to be found. At which point I wander over to the shelf, pick my DVD box set and say, jolly good, I'm going to play my own local free optical copy. And it works a treat. Marvellous. I could not agree with you more. <laughs> and I'll give you another reason too. I hate watching streamed content with a passion because I'm maybe it's because I'm a creative myself but I can't just sit down and watch something and let it play beginning to end I have to go forwards backwards I want to rehear that bit I want to check something I want to look again I want and you can't do that with streaming you press one button it's not going fast enough you press a button and suddenly you're back at the beginning of the show and you have to wind your way forward I hate it with a passion so for that reason as well absolutely Vive La DVD and on Vive La even the extra work of creating your own archive where you've got your own mp4s that you can actually work work with and watch as you want to here here having do, said do, having having said all that steve i will okay. say that that the i cannot remember the last time i sent a letter in the post and i also <laughs> cannot remember the last time that i had to get a dvd because i had no other way of watching something my electricity is always here well okay occasionally it's not um my um my my roku works perfectly it it, it talks to my um collection of of plex stuff that the whole system i've set up works absolutely fine so Unlike you, I don't particularly want to go and get a DVD by preference because I know that there's certainly a quicker way of doing it 
in 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 other ways one of the things that really annoys me about putting a dvd in waiting all the time for the thing to boot up and go through menus and da, 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 blah, yeah, blah, yeah, blah. yeah and, yeah. and, and you, you avoid all that um but anyway yes i can't remember the last time i had to rely on it as hang well, on I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pull you up on something now <laughs> wait a minute we have both we've all three said on our various podcasts how wonderful it is to have the ritual of playing an lp getting it out of the packet putting it on yeah. blah 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 well surely is that not the same with the dvd putting the dvd in waiting for the menu to go by choosing where you're going that's part of the ritual of setting up the watching of a film on a dvd is it not are you asking me? Why, I, I, yes. I, I, I disagree. I, I, I don't think that it's in any way the same as an LP record, no. Um, a DVD is a, a means to an end to me. An LP record is something to love oh, okay, and cherish. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, no, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah. Although, although uh, quite often, especially with special edition DVDs, um, yes, you, there is the usual couple of copyright screens and 30 seconds wait, but you also usually get uh, limited edition booklets inside the, the DVD case. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I bought a Space 1999 Season 1 box set the other day on DVD, and there was a really nice sort of four or five page, quite small print, you know, history of the show and production notes on the restoration. It was fascinating and really added value. Plus, you get lots of extras and commentaries. So th I think... It's the streaming services are fine. And by the way, uh, Aidan, you can go plus 10 or minus 10 seconds on some services. It's not all services. But I, don't want, I want to go plus one second or back three seconds uh, to see how uh -huh. a shot was followed by another shot. That's my problem. I'm too pedantic. Yeah, yeah that is the point. That is the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I like DVDs in the, in the same way because you can, you can have not only complete control and you can step forward half a frame at a time, as Aidan says. But yes, uh, yes you, all those extras to have commentaries, to have extras, to have behind the scenes. Um, to have uh, trailers and features and how they made it, feature. and you don't get any of that typically with any of with Netflix or Now TV. You just get the the core content. So DVDs for the win. I've got a collection now totaling six hundred and fifty, and I'm not going to give it away or chuck it away like Ted. I think I said on the show not long ago, didn't I, Ted? How delighted I was when I managed to track down that American box set of The West Wing which is all beautifully packaged yeah, yeah. with books and content and extra features. Yeah, yeah that, that's a treasure to, ha to have rather than just say, oh, well, I could stream the whole thing off Netflix if I wanted to. I'll give you, I'll give you an example of how I differentiate between the loving care I give to LPs and DVDs is that if I get a DVD that's got a um, leaflet in it or a pamphlet or an information thing or anything, I keep that, take it out and chuck the DVD away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that's that's just how I am. I don't value DVDs, I'm afraid. Uh, I value them for as long as they need to be ripped onto my system, and then that's it. My system, my MP4s are backed up three times. They're not going to go away, and I don't think the electricity is going to be cut off that I have to. And even if the electricity did cut off, your DVD player wouldn't work as well. So yeah, uh, we need a steam. I've got a I, sorry, sorry. I've got a I've, I've got a battery powered DVD player, Ted. It would work just fine. <laughs> well, that's far more practical, Steve. I was about to say we need a steam powered television and DVD player on the show <laughs> next week. <laughs> yeah, I've also got, of course, right. laptops can also play DVDs, and my my back MacBook and indeed my Surface Go, uh, Ted and Aidan. I just plug in my my um, USB DVD ROM drive into the laptop. The laptop's got its own battery, which will power it for about 10 hours, and I can watch DVDs for 10 hours without any sign of mains electricity. I'd like to see that. 10-hour battery on a, a, a laptop lasting if you're going to run DVDs, uh, a DVD drive from it. <laughs> more, like, more like an hour and a half. <laughs> OK, time, gentlemen, please. Time to move on. Time for another jingle. I want one. I want one. I want one. I want one of those. Right, at the risk of getting too techy, um, I noticed, Steve, that you emojied this one when I put this in the yeah. group. This is the Moto M4 4x4 Balance USB audio interface. And the link in the show notes goes to a review on that. And to be honest with you, I, Steve, you will understand all that this does much more than I do because you're a musician and it seems to be geared up more for musicians than podcasters. But what I liked about it was, apart from having a, a, a lovely bit of kit to go between my microphone and my computer, is that it's all it, it all looks like it's been made beautifully with metal knurled knobs and 101 ins and outs that you can just play with and really really good fun um tell me that you lust after this too 
I lust after anything with lots of knobs and, 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 and dials oh, good and man. LED yeah, gauges yeah. That, that involves yeah. audio. When you were selling your uh, mixing desk a while back, Hayden, I thought, you know, I'd love to have that. I'd absolutely love to have that, but I couldn't think of a, a serious use for it. It was, But I just, I love the concept. I used to have a, a Tascam Porter Studio and before oh, that, too. a different yes, Porter Studio. Yes. And I, would, I just got, I, I adored playing with them. This looks like a modern miniature digital version of that it accepts analog input so basically yes you plug in your quarter inch microphone condenser microphones you plug in your guitar with its quarter inch uh, guitar lead you plug in your keyboard you plug stuff in and gazilla in different ways you control the inputs and then everything gets digitized and mixed and received as a digital input to your laptop where you record it and capture it and then do your multi-tracking it's the fun i could have with this ted yeah, yeah. It, it looks great to me. And I, I think, I mean, I, I, it would be wa a bit wasted on me, which is why I wouldn't buy one. But, um, yeah, I could easily use it between my computer and my microphone. And um, uh, and also my Zoom um, recorder would, would get in on the mix there. And it's got a lovely um, LCD display on the front as well. So what could you not it, like it about is it? it? So I was going to say, it, it, because it's, it's fundamentally an external sound card, isn't it? But it is gorgeous, and as you say, Ted, you, you spotted it clearly because it does look so beautifully made and beautifully put together, and mm. it's a sexy piece of kit. Yeah, very, very nice indeed. The other thing that I will not dwell on, but it is not quite so techy, is there's the, um, the first... Um, turntable with USB, Bluetooth, blah, 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 um, with built-in speakers that I think I've ever seen that is actually a good quality one. It's it's a lovely little record player, which I would absolutely love to have here. Um, decent speakers, which is rare for one of these things, but more even more rare is that um, they don't have a decent tone arm and a stylus, and it, it's all cheapo rubbish that it looks like it's for, for children. Go to Amazon and look for um, portable record player, and you'll see them. It's all cheap plastic rubbish with uh, styluses that you just wouldn't put your decent records on. Um, so, yeah, I won't dwell on it. We did cover this on Tech Addicts as well. They, they, these are coming along. They're made by Lenko, and there's three different versions of it, depending on what features you want. But they're about 200 to 250 quid, and I really fancy one of those. I want one of those. Yeah, if you, if you gentle a listener, go to the link in the show notes, go in with an ad blocker, and be prepared for lots of pop-ups <laughs> and sign up to our newsletters and ads everywhere because that's that sort of yeah. sort of site. But it, it does look like a lovely product, Ted. The idea of a record player that's self-contained, you can listen to records if you want. You don't have to take it out via USB or Bluetooth. I think this is a terrific product. Oh, yes. I mean, yeah, you could take this out. You could go on a picnic with it, darling, couldn't you? You could go punting down the, down the river with this in your <laughs> boat. Yeah, this is lovely. Oh no, it hasn't got a battery. That, that's oh, the next step, oh, I see. Oh, I see. So, it, so it's standalone, <laughs> but it still needs mains. Well, there we are. We we need yeah, that. We yeah. need that steam generator again. We were talking about, don't we? You need you need a jackery. You've seen these jackery uh, batteries, haven't you, Ted? Oh, you yeah, these these super duper big yeah. battery with every input and output manageable, and basically they can provide mains in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Yes, because yeah, yeah. you can bet your bottom dollar it's going to reduce to twelve volts once it gets inside. So it would probably only take a bit of hot wiring to be able to run it on a battery anyway. Indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In many cases, you can just take a DC input. It might have a DC input on the back of the record player anyway. Still using and still. I am still using, since September 2017, my Datacolor Spider 5 Elite monitor calibration. Again, it's techie. I won't bore you. I'll go through it very quickly because it is, after all, only a still using to say that I'm still very happy with it. I, I have four monitors. Why? Because I can. And um, because I'm working in video and photographs, of course, it's very annoying if one monitor shows something in one certain colorscape and brightness and contrast and colors and then I move it to another monitor and it looks completely different. Enter the Elite Monitor Calibration, which is basically a little gizmo about the size of a cigarette packet, if you will, that you, if anyone remembers what they are, if you, and you hang it in front of your monitor. For those who know about color temperature and uh, all the various technical requirements of monitor calibration, there are all sorts of advanced um, tweaks and, and fiddles that you can do. But for an idiot like me, it's got a very nice idiot-proof menu that you go through. You hang it up on each monitor in turn and it goes through its uh, takes about 
two or three or four minutes and it flashes the monitor in various colours. It instructs you to put the monitor first up to 100% and then bring it down to match certain levels it asks you to do. You go through these instructions. It does a lot of flashing and pretty colours. And lo and behold, at the end of the process, all four monitors match each other and you can slide an image across back and forth from one monitor to, to other and, it, and, they, and they match. And then that's it. And then, lo and behold, next time you turn on your computer, it's remembered these settings. And I find every four or five months they've started to, for some reason, um, dissipate. And, and it's good to run, them on, run it through again just to keep things up to scratch. But I've been very happy with it since I got them. Um, and they keep my monitors as one. There it is. Uh, yeah, I, I vaguely remember you bringing this on. I think I probably switched off because it's of no interest <laughs> to me whatsoever. Um, but when I, when you put that on the show notes just now, I thought to myself, I don't remember this. But yeah, when you started talking about it, I did. I did. So I'm very pleased that you're still using it. I believe well, you can also. Indeed. Thank you, sir. I believe you can also uh, calibrate um, your computer with your laptop possibly even, I think I heard something about mobile phones these days as well, so that when you move uh, images from one device to another, again, you'll see the same colour reproduction on different on different screens. Very, very Have any interest or use to you, Steve, or you a one-screen man? I'm not sure my eyes can really tell the difference. Now, obviously, if something's horribly miscalibrated, then I can see that the oranges are green and the greens are orange. But uh, in general, I think my eyes are probably the bottleneck of, of this sort of thing. Um, and also... The very fact of what what is a colour. I mean, the colour is so subjective. What I see is turquoise, my wife sees as blue, and my daughter sees as purple. Um, and I guess that's what the, the point of this calibration tool, that it's an absolute standard, and what, you can make sure that everything stays put and doesn't keep shifting around. So I do see the point. Yes, the, I mean, I, I certainly I respect what you're saying, that the, you and I will see colours in, different, in, different, in a different way anyway. But the point is, if I'm working with a picture and I move it from the left screen to the right screen and all the colours change, that's going to be very, very difficult for me during my working process. Now, that's your, pro that's your problem. You shouldn't have two screens. Just have the one screen and you won't have to do any calibration. <laughs> there it is. I remember Terry Pratchett. I saw a documentary on Terry Pratchett and he had nine screens. He had, <laughs> he had them all in banks of three. And the interviewer said, you're a writer. Why have you got nine screens? And Pratchett said, because I haven't got room for 12. <laughs> <laughs> OK, then. So that's the Data Color Spider 5 Elite. Links in the show notes. That If you fancy having a go with that specialist tool... Um, I'll go back into the kitchen and bring my... I can't remember when I brought this on, oh, but it, was, it, must, yes. it must have been a year ago. This is the Twin Omelette Maker. Um, it's made by Nutri-Q, and it works excellently well still. It still costs 19 quid from Amazon only. I think it's a real bargain. Um, it, most importantly, the non-stick coating has remained non-stick, and it's been used regularly. And we, we've got another one. I brought another one onto the show as well, a cheaper version of this, which I got later on. Um, and, and it's completely different to this. The, the non-stick um, coating on the inside of the... Um, of the, the the cheaper one is now the, the, the thing's virtually unusable because every time you use it you just got uh, you've got to you've got to just um, clean it really really thoroughly um, it, it anything you put in there sticks like glue and I've tried to put to grease it first and to do all the things that you would you would do but it's a real pain in the ass frankly but this this nutri q one has had the same length of time in use and it's a, a few pounds more but it's absolutely worth it the twin omelette maker um i we're still using do you know what alzheimer's is a thing i i think i've got one of these you know listening to you talking <laughs> about it ted i think i got excited and bought one and made omelettes with it but blow me if I know where minutes. it is now. Yeah, yeah. I, when, this, when we finish recording, I'll be in the kitchen on my hands and knees looking in the back of the cupboards <laughs> to see if I can find my omelette maker. You, you, you did go off and buy a waffle maker. I remember the waffle you know, maker. We, we the never heard back on that one. Did you not, sir? I'll bring that on to what's still using next yeah. show. Yeah, OK. Maybe That's I'm getting good. my waffles confused with my omelettes. It's an easy thing to do. John Love's been in touch, still using a running belt. We'll put the link in the show notes, the specific one he's using. He says, 18 months ago, I've got a slightly older version of the one link, but from the same brand. It cost me £10 and I use it several times a week. It has held up really well and is still in as new condition. I use it carrying my phone when running. Even with the weight of the phone and the motion, it stays securely in place around my waist. I haven't used it for other purposes, but it could be an idea when you want to carry a couple of small things but have no pockets. Very good. Yeah, money comes to mind. Except that <laughs> money is obsolete now. 
so no one carries money. But certainly for a phone, yeah, um, it, it, it's a great idea, isn't it? We used to have these back in the eighties, didn't we? Everyone, what, oh, they were called bum bags, weren't they? Did, did, they did still are, Ted. People, people are still use them. Well, what's making me smile is that I, I just would never, if I had one of these, I never run anywhere. I wouldn't use it. But um, <laughs> it looks, you know, excellent if you have the right use case and actually need one. <laughs> okay. Yeah, of course. I, I famously have got belt cases for my phones, a bit like Aiden, and I when I do my exercise walking which is admittedly is not nowhere near as fast as running but i go at a fair old pace and, and a belt case is fine i guess this is just a, a higher tech higher speed version of that just a, a differently shaped one i suppose yeah. um and yeah acknowledging that we don't I, I still carry a wallet with me i have to say um i know that i probably don't need to in this day and age but i still do i want to have my stuff with me i suppose and also i carry a ventolin which I, again i don't often need but um i do always have that with me in my pocket so i would need to put my ventolin in there um just in case so so yeah I, little bits and pieces uh, thank you john good contribution could you post a picture for us ted of you running with your ventolin in your belt in your lycra <laughs> <laughs> no at the moment it's in my cargo trousers <laughs> I can see this is the only show where it takes less time to record than to listen back because you've got all these audio jingles to put in. Ah, you see. (laughs) He's on to us, Ted. (laughs) Uh, Right then. Who's first on Room 101? What are we going to throw in, Steve? Well, I'm going to throw in YouTubers who start every video with What's up, guys? (laughs) Have have we done this round before? I have a feeling we have, but it drives me mad. I've, I've... I've tuned in to see someone else's content. I want to know what they think of whatever they're reviewing. But they start asking me, what's up? How am I supposed to answer them? In the comments? <laughs> besides, besides which, if something was actually up, i.e. there was a problem, I'd be far too busy to watch their YouTube videos. So they should be able to conclude that nothing is indeed up for every viewer by the very fact that they're relaxed and chilling with a computing device and YouTube. What's up? Absolutely nothing. And I'm not watching the rest of your video because you've just made me mad. It's your ah. Americans, isn't it? This, this is, uh, the first time I remember seeing this on mass was in Breaking Bad, where um, Jesse just said that to everyone. Sup. It wasn't even what's up. It was sup. <laughs> and, and I think the Americans have just adopted it big time. You know what? I know your tongue is slightly in your cheek with that one, Steve. But what really does get to me is people who have a jingle i shouldn't here comes the jingle man (laughs) people who have a jingle or an introduction video sting that goes on for about 10 or 15 seconds now 10 or 15 seconds isn't very long but it is when you just want to get onto the content absolutely and for audio podcasts i mean I, i quite often use a seven or eight second intro audio for psc for example but i think in audio you you usually do yes, something indeed. else while you yes. listen and it's not a problem well i agree when you're actually watching you're completely focused on that item and you want to get to the meat of it as fast yes, as possible. indeed i mean most of the most of my youtube use will be researching something so i've got a particular item i'm interested in and i want to look at a set of reviews or what people think on using it and so you know i might watch four or five or six or seven videos in succession and to have to sit through these wretched introductory stings first is yeah. very annoying so yes i'm with you on that one Okay. Yeah. Sadly, Steve, you lost your dad recently. You had one of our undertakers. Yes, I don't know whether this is me being overly complaining, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> in, de- in dealing with the aftermath of his death, I'd love to put undertakers in Room 101. because I, I went for the cheapest company. Mm-hmm. You know, they were one we'd used before, but they were known to be cheap and reasonable. I then applied a 10% discount voucher because I was a member as the co-op. I then opted for their very simplest bottom-of-the-line quote, essential funeral. And it was still perfectly respectable and absolutely fine and dignified in every mm-hmm. regard. I went for cremation, which is by far cheaper than burying. And the I, I, and I unticked and t- said no to every single extra they offered me. And the bill still came to almost £3,000. Oh, wow. The actual manpower involved in dealing with the body, making some calls, then four people to carry the coffin from the car to the chapel on the day, all come to, I reckon, about a dozen man-hours. Ignoring fixed costs, petrol, etc., but taking off the crematorium fee, this gives us £166 per man hour, which is wow. a nice work if you yeah. can get it. That's yeah. amazing, isn't Apparently it? Apparently, others regularly pay 5000 6000 yeah. or more for a funeral, which is just bonkers money for what is something that's actually quite simple. And I reckon the undertaking profession, they just fix their prices high, and no one has the nerve to challenge or to compete. 
rant over. Wow. Yeah, I had no idea that um, that was the case. But I suppose the same thing is probably true of weddings as well. Um, where uh, churches, I know, in the in the, the the past have kind of hiked up prices because they know that people want to go there. And uh, I don't know, I, I hadn't really thought about um, funerals before. But uh, I have an elderly friend um, who doesn't have family and hasn't got much money, and we're good friends, and I sort of feel the responsibility of when the time comes, am I going to have to take on all this? And he's made the decision to donate his body to science. Um, which is, first of all, a, a noble thing to do, and that's excellent. But actually, a little bit cynically, it does take an awful lot of weight off everybody's shoulders there because when the time comes for him, uh, you know, they'll come round from the university and off he'll go in the back of their car and that'll be the end of it. And we can have a ceremony oh. afterwards. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a difficult subject to talk about, but that is something for people to perhaps consider. If you donate yourself to science, you're doing the world a service and you're saving your loved ones a lot of money. I've been donating myself to science the last 30 years, Aidan. <laughs> this is very true, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't quite mean in that way, though. <laughs> a good tip, though. It's a great oh, tip, dear. yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I'm about to go by the sounds of it. Before we go, <laughs> one last... Oh, quick, phone the university. <laughs> one last thing to... Um, now, I put Netflix into Room 101, and I started a bit of a, um, an uproar with Steve. So we'll come to that in a second. But the, initially, I put Netflix into Room 101 for... Um, putting the second tier of pricing so high above the basic one. So the basic one is five ninety nine a month, which is the one I've got. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to put it up to the second tier so that I could have two devices on there. Um, and because then me and my parents can both use it at the same time, which at the moment we can't. And they want £9.99. So if you do all the maths on that, and then you take into account the price of the four tier, which is the next one up, um, being £13.99 and blah, 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 and do all the working out and everything, it seems to me that the difference between the tier one and tier two is disproportionate. And I do remember back in the day, um, some years ago, it used to be six ninety nine for the second tier. You only paid a pound extra. And now they are looking at um, charging you another four pound for that second tier. We then, Steve, didn't we, get, got into an <laughs> argument about what um, resolution was what. So do you want to take that one? Yeah, I think it all comes down to back in the day, it was a pound extra and that just gave you the right to do the same stream on two different screens, which is fine. Yeah. They then gone down the route of we've now got different resolutions available and they claim, I mean, this, there is some debate about this, but Netflix claim to be limiting the basic one screen system, 599 to 480p, which is actually quite low resolution. That's what their website page says. And if you want HD, i.e. 720p, or let alone 1080, then you have to pay the, the whatever it is, 999, because along with the two-screen system comes the higher resolution, which they've kind of changed the way they do things. Now, there's a lot of debate online, because although Netflix says 480p, people have said in their, in practice, with the equipment they've got, it looks a lot like 720, which would have been absolutely fine. So I, I'm going to experiment and take one for the team here, Ted. I'm going to downgrade my Netflix down to one screen, see what happens with resolution and see if I can bear it. Because there's very rarely more than one person in our household wanting to watch Netflix, so I'm going to be the guinea pig here. Okay. Well, just to throw in my, um, my, my penny in the pot here about the resolution, I use this on my 32-inch TV, um, and it, I, I have no idea. I had no idea until I spoke to you about this that it might be 480p. I, I, it looks absolutely fine to me. Of course, I can tell the difference between it being HD, like in BBC One HD or whatever. But it's to me, it's still completely watchable. And my parents have got a six, a forty-two inch TV, and they never complain. Mind you, their their eyes are older. To be fair, okay, fair enough. But I did read somewhere that it might be because um, my Roku box is, which I use my Netflix through, is upgrading the resolution, and there is some support for maybe that is the case. Um, so I also need to do some testing to run this um, yeah. directly on the telly without going through the Roku box, I think, and see what that does. But, yeah, so testing all around, I think. Anyway, yes. Good, good rant. Good rant. Yeah. Now, we haven't got a gold star, but I still say we should hear the jingle. Oh, you're very sweet. You know what? I'm going to hold you to that. I'm going to put gold star jingle into for, for a gold star. <laughs> 
And even though I say so myself, it's a lovely jingle. Indeed. <laughs> Thank you so much, Steve, for coming on to the show. It's been great to have you on as guest, and we'll see how we go going forward. Um, any last words from you? Well, do I deserve a gold star? That's my... Yay! Yes, you're... Oh, that's shame on us, Ted. We should have put our... given our gold star. Oh, we will have to play the logo again. <laughs> no, 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 don't. <laughs> We'll be back in two weeks' time, hopefully, Aidan and I. Whateverworks.works is where you'll find links to all the stuff we're going to talk about, we have talked about on the show today. TedSalmon.com is where you'll find me. AidanBell.com is where you'll find Aidan. And SteveLitchfield.com is where you'll find Steve and everything he does there. Don't forget PodHub UK. Links to all the other audio podcasts we do. Going forward, we have... um, What have we got coming up? We've got um, uh, Tech Addicts and PSC, of course, this weekend. Lots of stuff to get your teeth into. So don't forget to join us on our podcast and in our MeWe group. In the meantime, don't forget, whatever whatever works, works. works.